right, so welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast, and we have another special guest for you here today, uh, Miss Esmeralda Figueroa, who is a Division I college athlete, uh, but also playing on the professional level in women's soccer. So, Esmeralda, glad to have you on the show today. Um, I'm really excited to hear your story. This podcast is brought to you by Zero Gravity Skin, a prolific leader in the aesthetic devices market, delivering anti-aging, complexion clearing, hair growth, and pain management solutions across the globe. Featuring the Perfectio X, a two-in-one device which treats both pain and signs of aging and is actively working to reverse cell damage accumulated over time. Also, the Relaxio, which provides damaged cells with the vital energy necessary to quickly renew and recover in the most optimal way. For more information, please visit zerogravityskin.com and use code Dr. Derek 30 to receive 30% off your purchase. Again, that's zerogravityskin.com, promo code Dr. Derek 30. Yes, sir. My name is Esmeralda Figueroa, as he did say. I have a twin sister and a wonderful mom and wonderful dad. My mom, she's born and raised in Texas, and my dad, he's from Michoacan, Mexico. And so I started playing sports when I was around four and soccer was a main aspect of my life because I started first watching my dad play and he played on his restaurant team and they were pretty good. They made it to like this championship and I would always want to go watch him. He was a goalkeeper, but if they needed him anywhere else, he would play. And I really loved seeing the men play because they were much faster than the women. And so I wanted to stick with that because I'm a daddy's girl and I always wanted to do what he was doing. So that's really how I was I got into it and my sister started, she also played soccer until the Juco level, but she didn't go further. She didn't want to, but she started playing at, at five. So she started seeing me doing it and then she wanted to start playing as well. Now you said sister, not just any kind of sister, right? Tell us about your sister. Oh my, what can I say? She's, <laughs> she is a 4.0 all the way through Juco, Mississippi State, never made a B. Wow. She is a chemistry major with a math minor and all A's. She, she works so hard for what she gets. And I feel like a lot of people look down on her because of jealousy. And, you know, she's a little, she's a little petite. So she doesn't really say anything. But when I come around and they say something, I get really mad because, you know, she, they don't see all the hours that she stays up, the hard work that she does, and she deserves it more than anybody. So I love the way you described your sister and the thing that, you know, it's funny because the thing that comes out to me in my mind first, you haven't even mentioned it yet. And that's the fact that she's your twin sister, uh, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> but you describe her as a completely different human being, which she is, and you appreciate her for her differences. And you're the protector, as you said, when, they, when you come around, they know not to talk that yeah. stuff, uh, but that's, yeah. that's awesome. So who's the older of the two? She's older by five seconds and she does tell people that. So. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. But you guys, so you mentioned watching your dad play soccer and he's from Mexico, right? Right. But did you grow up in Mississippi or where did you live early in life? I did. We grew up in Laurel, Mississippi, me and my sister. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So were you guys competitive with each other or was it always, okay, it's us against the world? We were. I feel like we were more competitive when it got to the high school level. But then she was just like 
school, 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 because she was trying to be valedictorian at high school, and she did succeed in that, obviously, but it was all school, 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 and for me, it was work out, because my dad started this program, P90X, when he, when I was like 12, and so I started with him, because I would literally do everything he did, and that's how it was like, for me, it was work out, work out, school, but for her, it was school, 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 until like when we got more older and like valedictorian, junior, senior year. So did your parents see maybe that her strength was academics and your strength was sports? And how do they uh, measure up or how do they treat you guys as far as your strengths and your weaknesses? They would treat us absolutely the same. They would, obviously we would be able to do what we wanted, but they would push us the exact same in sports and in academics. Um, obviously there was a difference between athletic athleticism between me and my sister and the academics between me and my sister but it's um it's a point in how hard you want it like if I wanted the academic the valedictorian or the salutatorian as bad as she wanted it I could have achieved that and if she wanted the athleticism as much as I wanted she could have achieved that but it was just the differences but they treated us the exact same whichever route we wanted to go so what you're talking about is goal setting so early on what was your goal? Did you have a goal to be a division one athlete? What was your goal as far as sports and athletics? As a, in high school and when, ever since I was younger, I always wanted to go SEC from high school. That was always my dream. And my family knew that a lot of friends knew that everybody knew I wanted to go play SEC, no matter where, wherever I got accepted, I wanted to go play, but it would have been nice if I stayed in Mississippi, but just wherever I got. Gotcha. Now, I mentioned before we started recording, I moved to Laurel in 2014, and one of the first names I heard as far as soccer or related to soccer was your name, and you were young at that point. How old were you at that point when you first started playing varsity soccer? I was in the seventh grade. I'm not really sure how old I would be. Yeah, yeah. so seventh grade, but you weren't just on the team. You contributed early on, correct? I actually played defender until Coach Reed put me at forward because Morgan Manziel wasn't at the 77 and he put me at forward. And then I started shooting and shooting goals and it was more fun than defender. Cause I was actually, I felt like I was contributing to the team and that's, that's when I actually started playing forward. All right. So you mentioned your, your talent level, you separated yourself from the pack, I guess, pretty early on, but you were playing with some high, other high level athletes. You mentioned Morgan Manziel. Didn't she go on and play at, uh, Morgan State, excuse me, at Mississippi State as well? She went to play at Southern. At Southern, okay. But um, another Division One athlete on your same soccer team. Um, and, but did you only play soccer early on? Um, no, sir. I had a lot of different sports I tried. We played, me and my sister both played um, soccer in high school, track in high school, tennis, softball, and band. We did band, but it was like, my junior year, I think. And it was getting time for ID camps. And we were kind of late for the ID camps. Like you should probably start in 10th grade or ninth. And so it was very difficult to juggle all of these sports. And at that moment, when we play, when we try to play softball, we couldn't even play softball because my mom was like, it has to be one or the other. And the coach for the softball team was like, you can't go to soccer right now. And I was like, I'm just trying to play softball. Like, this is not my dream. I need to go to soccer because that's what I'm trying to play. And so I just, we had to choose right then and there. So I never really got to play softball, but we tried to play a lot of different sports. Yeah. See, I'm laughing because I have three kids 
all now from seven to 11. And it's already like a juggling act to just get them to do one sport. So, I mean, you guys were doing three, four, five activities. So I can only imagine, especially being, you know, the same age. So, mm-hmm. you know, at some point it's good to be able to be exposed. And I'm sure all the different sports have to help you become an athlete. But like you mentioned, 10th, 11th grade, you had to kind of choose to start focusing on one sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so you excelled in high school. I mean, broke records at your school. I know you led the state um, in goals scored, one of the top in the nation as far as goals scored. Were you recruited heavily coming out of high school? Yes, sir, I was. And you decided to stay home, stay local, and go to Jones uh, College to play on a junior college level. What was in what helped with that decision? Um, it's just Dolores was the coach at Jones. She still is, and she's a very good coach. She used to train me and my sister, so we really, really knew her. And I wasn't, I didn't get the offers I wanted to get out of high school. I got, I got a lot of them, but it wasn't like. SEC. I got one offer, but it was a walk-on from an mm-hmm. SEC, and I knew that I could go more, and I also knew if I went to a junior college that I would work hard and that people would see me, and during my visit at Jones, I asked Coach Dolores, I said, can you prepare me for the SEC? That's what I asked her in my, in my visit, and she said, depends on how hard you work, and when she put that on me, I knew that I, I, knew that I could work hard, like the, phys- the physical part you can push yourself, but it's, it's like the mental part that's tough that people don't really see. And like when she told me that it was up to me, I knew that I could get there. And so I just chose chose that. And it was a very good decision. So I like the fact that you bet on yourself, number one, but you separated the physical from the mental, right? So I talk about on this show a lot. I highlight a lot of stories where people had to overcome obstacles um, and not necessarily just people that it comes to easy. You've always been very physically talented, but at some point when you look around the room, you know, in high school, in junior high school, you were probably the most physically talented person on the team. But when you get to the college level and you start to look around, talent at that point cannot carry you alone, right? So you mm-hmm. mentioned the mental toughness. Tell us how your mental toughness or your mental fitness how that separated you from the, you know, the other players on your team. Right. Well, I always, my dad would always train me on top of practices and stuff. And I always wanted to be the fastest one. I always wanted to be the most talented. I always wanted to be this and that. But when you go to a bigger level, it's not just you anymore as it, as it used to be, it's other people. And so something has to separate you because other people are training. Other people are working out now because it's big time. Like it's not just, yeah, I play on a soccer team at the high school or middle school, you know, just to stay busy. So I thought I was mentally tough. My dad told me when he would take me training, I would miss goals and I would get down on myself. And I was like, I don't know why I'm having a bad practice, bad training. And he would be like, you need to start speaking positive to yourself. You know, don't worry about the one that you just shot. Worry about the next one, because if you worry about this one, you're going to miss the next one. You're going to miss the next one. So I started focusing on myself and he told me to literally tell yourself you're the best if if I'm out there I remember I was in high school and I shanked a PK and I literally told myself I was the best as soon as I shanked that PK I told myself I said I am the best and I turned around and I scored hat trick and it's just like you have to believe in yourself you can't continue to stay on the negativity 
mental side because it's just going to take you down and it and yeah there's a side of being cocky but it's not that point because i'm not going and telling people hey i'm the best you know i'm telling myself that it's like mentally so nobody hears that from me you know they see that i shank the pk and and like most people or myself i would be like oh my gosh there's recruits here what do i right. do and then you get small to yourself but if i told myself i'm the best and just think that i'm playing when nobody's watching it just like helped me a lot so my dad really helped me with the mental mental part that's excellent i want everybody to rewind that clip at least a minute and play that again because what you said is great for parents it's great for athletes it's great for entrepreneurs it's great for everybody because you mentioned you're not being cocky you're being confident right and yes, the mental toughness piece is not for your teammates it's for you so what your dad was teaching you it was to train your subconscious mind to know that you're the best because you can miss that pk and say oh i suck or you know right. I'll never make this PK again, you know, and the next time you get up to make that kick, your, your subconscious mind is going to replay that tape. So you have to train that subconscious mind to think the way that you want it to think. And that the way that you want your mind to think is that I'm the best and I can do this no matter what, if, you know, the circumstances, no matter if it's in overtime, no matter if it's a game winner or if it's just a Saturday day in the park, I can make this kick. All right. Now, that's great. Um, and that part of the mental training, I mean, I played on a lot of sports teams and I've been around a lot of sports teams and especially at high school, junior high, even college level, many times you're focusing on more reps, more physical reps. How can we practice more? How can we play more games? Not many people are getting that mental piece. And it's, you know, your dad being able to coach you and understand the game that really goes a long way as far as separating you from the pack. Yes, sir. All right. So had a great career, as you mentioned, you went JUCO, but your dream was to go SEC. So tell us, you know, about your JUCO career. I know you had a, a good experience there as well. Yes, sir. It was probably the best experience of my life. I enjoyed it. You know, at first, the first year I would get a couple of minutes here and there, and I, I was okay with it. You know, you come into a team, you can't expect to get minutes if you don't work for it. So I knew I knew what I had to do. There's already players that are sophomores there that the coach already knows how, how they play. They're good. And so I just continue to play with them because you get really good when you play with good players and you watch. When I was on the bench, I would watch how this player played because she was doing something that I wasn't doing that the coach liked. And if I was watching her and I saw what she was doing that I wasn't doing, I would stay later and practice exactly that. And that's how that would that's how I started getting more minutes. And I started, my sophomore year was very, very good to me. And then I tore my ACL. And so it's more like, a, I don't know. People ask me, was it painful? And I don't know if it was painful because of how, like of my knee that it hurt because when I fell and I, I didn't get right back up and I always get back up when I fall. But I knew something was wrong with my knee I thought that my knee, my leg was completely right degree angle. And when I looked at it, it was normal. Mm. And I knew something was wrong. And I don't know if it was like the pain or the fact that me, my mom, and my dad knew that Mississippi State was supposed to come watch me the very next day. And nobody knew about that. Obviously, Coach Dolores knew because she's helped me a lot. And 
but I never boasted ever. I never told people my business. Mm -hmm. If I got so many offers, I never told them my business until it was out on the newspaper and everybody saw because you can say you got this, you can say you got that, but then it goes away. You know, you can't, you can't count so many eggs before they hatch. So I never, ever told people. So only my family knew. I don't know if it was like hurting me more because the fact that I was going to have to tell them, Hey, I, I can't even get up. I can't walk. And so that was really, I was a change in my life. Big change. Yeah. So take me to that moment because that was your second year at Jones, right? Your sophomore year. And I was already thinking that you probably had committed. So you had not been offered yet by Mississippi state, correct? Right. So the day before they're supposed to come watch you play, you go down, tear your ACL. What's going through your mind at that point? The Sabre training bat is like no other training bat you've ever used before. So the purpose of the Sabre training bat with its modified barrel is so that you can perfectly sequence and get behind the ball, getting the bat on plane sooner, creating less miss hits, more line drives, higher batting averages, and more exit velocity. The Sabre training bat is the number one training bat on the market. Sabre Bats, the training bat that's gonna take you to your best swing. Oh man, I'm like, well, first I'm like, mom's probably yelling at me because I'm not getting up. And my <laughs> dad, is, yeah. And my dad is probably like, what is she doing? You know, she's faking or something. And so then I was thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my dream is about to shatter because I literally have an SEC team that wants me, that's emailing me, that's literally about to come watch a junior college play. They were going to come watch Jones play PRCC the very next day. And I was excited and I was ready to show them, you know, what I, what I have. And then I was like, wow, I mean, it's all, that's, that's literally what's going through my mind. I don't have this anymore. Like it, it was written on paper and now it's not, they don't care. You know, because like most SEC schools don't come to Mississippi. They go to Texas or California. And the fact that they were pinpointing me coming to watch me at Mississippi and Jones County, um, it was really meaning a lot to me. And then the trainer came and picked me up off the field. And then I got on the little trainer bed and they told me to straighten my knee and I couldn't straighten it like it was hurting. And our trainer Bridges told me that I need to put ice on it. And then when I. I was like, just thinking, wow, my dream is completely shattered. And then I heard my dad to the left. I guess he came, he, came, he had came and he said, mija, like that's like daughter in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's going to be okay. And I was thinking, I was so confused because I was like, he's going to be really mad at me because they're going to think I'm faking it. But they were, I guess they knew. Yeah. So I'm glad you shared that story because, you know, I have the privilege of working with athletes up close and personal. So within hours, I'm seeing an athlete after they tear their ACL. But the people in the stands see you go down and they assume, okay, she's injured, but she's going to come back whole. You know, they don't see all the thoughts going through your mind. They don't see you sitting on the examination table when a doctor walks in and say, you know, you're already thinking there's something wrong. But when they throw that diagnosis on you, you know, the burden, I can always tell when I walk in the room, I'm like, okay, do I go in and say, hey, how's your day? You tore your ACL or, right. 
you tore your ACL, or I have some good news, I have some bad news. There's no good way to present to someone that you have a possible career ending injury. And the next day you're supposed to be going to see, or Mississippi State's supposed to be coming to see you. Um, so it's a lot that goes on, right? And it's a lot to process. So you, you're injured, you have surgery, and now you're on the road to recovery. Tell us about, you know, the Mississippi State still, were they still interested at that point? Yes, sir. Well, I had called them because I had already had their um, number and I told them the next day because we were trying to get a SCAT MRI. Mm -hmm. I think that's like fast. Right. SCAT MRI. Yeah. And I called them and I said, hey, I'm, you know, I don't know how to say this, but I went down yesterday and I don't know what's wrong with my knee. It's swollen. We're going to get an MRI. They're going to they couldn't do it because it was Thursday and that day was Friday. They couldn't do it until Monday. So I told them, I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to be playing in the game and how I was very blessed that they wanted, that they were interested and wanted to come see me and that it was just a blessing to me and how thankful I was, but that I'm sorry that I'm not going to be able to play. And so they didn't text me back, but I just wanted to make that clear. And then right when I finished my surgery, like when I was on all of these medicines, I came home and I got a call from Coach Brian, the assistant coach. And he, I still, like, I feel like I was a little loopy. My mom <laughs> told me I was loopy, but I don't think I was. But I, it was literally right after we came home, right after the surgery. We walked inside the door and my dad picked me up, put me on the couch and started with the game ready. And he called me and I said, hello. And he said, hey, Esma, how are you feeling? I said, well, I just got back from surgery, but I'm feeling great. And then he said, we, I just, we just wanted to call you and tell you that we still wanted you and that they, that they were going to offer me. And I literally started crying and I got chills everywhere. And it was on speaker and my mom was recording it with her phone because she's always recording everything. <laughs> and my dad was in shock and everybody was in shock. But it was just like, I don't know, a miracle, like, I don't know how that happened, but it was a, a miracle. If it wasn't for Coach Brian and the Mississippi State, I would have never, ever succeeded with my dream as a little kid. And I don't, till this day, I don't really know how that happened, but I'm very blessed. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'd imagine as you were rehabbing, did that motivate you to work and push even harder? It did. Yeah. So tell us, so you, evidently, you made it to Mississippi State, right? So tell us how, getting back into soccer after your ACL, how was that recovery road? It was very hard because I've never really been through like a career ending, a very long-term recovery process. And it was very hard, number one, because I was going to a new university and I had to leave early. They wanted me to come in the spring. So my sister would come in the fall. So I had to leave early. And usually well, I had to stay in the dorms because I didn't really know Mississippi State, only went to um, football games and stuff. So they made me stay in the dorms, so I had to have a roommate. And that was a big change because my roommate's always been my twin sister. So it's never been anybody else my whole life. So that was a big, big change. And um, the therapy, it's just, I mean, you have, I had therapy three times a day. Like I would have to wake up, take my car, go to therapy. And it was just feeling like, my knee was never getting better three times a day, every single day of the week. And your knee still looks the same, still feels the same. 
and it's just like been three months then it goes four months and you're like there's nothing changing and it's just like your deficit and you got to go do these tests and so I just started getting very down on myself until one day I went into PT and I was like man what's wrong with my leg like something's wrong they the doctor didn't do it right I don't know what's wrong just negative like I've never been like this. My dad's taught me to be better than this. And I knew that I would tell myself, I was like, daddy taught me to be better than this. And I would still stay negative on myself until I saw this guy come in his wheelchair and he was laughing, smiling, being his little, you know, happy mood. Yeah. And he had no legs and they had to put on his prosthetic legs. And I was like, if he's happy and he doesn't have any legs and I'm over here arguing to myself that my knee doesn't look the same or it hurts when I walk or they're not doing stuff right. I need to change my aspect and realize that I have it better than a lot of people. And I feel like I have it worse than everybody. And there's people out there that can't even walk. There's people out there with cancer. There's people out there with their mom just passed or their dad just passed. They have it worse than me. So that's when I started like working more harder. And and if it was painful, I knew that something was working, you know, it wasn't just like, something was tearing like when they say it's mentally strong it, it's really it's really painful but you have to go through it you know yeah. and so that's really what pushed me this one guy with his prosthetic legs that's awesome because he put it all into perspective for you right he took right. you from having a pity party to feeling empowered again and feeling you know hey i am fortunate even though i have a torn acl i'm at mississippi state my dream school and mm-hmm. i'm still pursuing my dream so awesome story yeah. Um, so tell us about your career at Mississippi State. Yeah, it was a it was a long, long career for me, but um, I enjoyed playing with the players there. So at first I came in, I was obviously recovering on my ACL because I had torn it in October, had surgery in November, and I came in December. So I was doing therapy over there at Mississippi State, and they started in the spring. Then they went to the fall, but I wasn't released. I was released towards the end of the fall, so I, I started – I mean, I, pl- I got to play in the Vandy game and, and the SEC tournament. That was my first first game back, and I think it was like a year and something. But I was practicing, but I was still in my brace. And it was a big change for me because i never been on the sideline. I was always on the field. I would always get minutes. I was never on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if, if I'm at a new school, I don't know these players. They don't know me. What am I going to do, just stand there and do my – glute bridges on the you know over there or am I gonna make myself known so that's when I started yelling for the team I was like I would tell them nice shot or something and they would they would start to know me and they were like dang she cheers for us every single time I'd go get the balls I would cheer them on with the running test with everything I would say hey to everybody I would make sure I did everything that I could in the process so that's that's when I started just cheering them on because no matter like what you're going through even if you're not, if I'm a soccer player and I'm not on the field, I could still be a hard worker at at something else. If I can't do this, I can do this, you know? And I started just cheering them on because that's what they deserve. You know, I wasn't thinking of myself. I I was trying not to be selfish, but I really wanted to be out there, you know? Yeah. So when you were finally all the way back, what did it feel like to, you know, back, I'm talking about back to being the, you know, player that you were before your injury? playing around, running, cutting, your mind not thinking about your knee. What did that moment feel like? It felt amazing. It felt like I would, I felt like I would never get to that spot. And when I actually did, it just felt unreal. But it was just like when I, when I was recovering on my ACL and I would see people 
uh, complaining about the fitness test. I was thinking to myself, wow, that used to be me. But right now, hmm. if I had those legs that they had, I would want to be on that line right now. I would run the beep test 12 times. I would run the man you 12 times. But it's like your mental state of mind changes. It's like, wow, if I had those knees, I would be running right now. And they're complaining. But I don't think they know how it feels, you know, to be injured. And they have to, like, check back in their life and realize that there's people that can't even run. And then when I started getting back into soccer, yeah, you have the mental state of mind, but when you're, cause there's like, you have to get out of the brace. That was the main thing. You had to get out of the brace. And so I tried to get out of the brace. I, I felt comfortable with the brace, but then they have protocols. Mm -hmm. So you had to follow with their protocols, no matter if you felt comfortable or anything. So my, I was like, once I'm done with spring and I go play on my professional team, I'm going to take my brace off when we play on turf, the dangerous the most dangerous thing and so I would always tell myself I'm gonna take my brace off when I practice and I told my dad and he was like yeah 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 because I told him I was gonna take it off for the game and Clinton and he was like yeah okay so then I walked out without my brace and I usually take it to the bench but when I take it to the bench I put it on my knee so I didn't take it to the bench and I walked out and I started playing on turf and I finished that game and that's when that's when I start stopped wearing my brace and that's when I felt like myself good now tell us what you're doing now I'm Everybody says you sit in a car, so tell us you are actually where. Yeah, I'm actually in Jackson. I'm about to practice on my women's professional soccer league team in Jackson. So we have practice twice a week, but I usually I used to come twice a week, but now my parents made me pay for my gas, and it's not fun. So I told them I have to come once a week. But yeah, I'm in Madison right now. And you're playing professional soccer, but you're also going to be continuing your college career as well. Yes, sir. Perfect. All right. So on timeout with the sports doctor, this is your final timeout. So you've told us a lot about your story. And, you know, I'm grateful that you've been so transparent with all that you had to go through. But what will you tell in, you know, an injured athlete who is in pursuit of their dream? And now, boom, it seems like it's all shattered. What words of wisdom or words of advice would you give them? Yeah, of course, I would tell them, obviously, to watch my video and to see that I went through the same thing and to try to stay as mentally tough as you can and that you're going to get back to yourself again. You just have to keep going. And remember, there's other people out there that are having it worse than you, although you may think you're having it worse, you're not. And also, when you get to that point where you're yourself again, don't go into your school too cocky and don't go in too low, you know, just start competing with yourself, not with other people. And you just need to work hard every single day and just beat yourself every single day if you if you did eight reps this day you need to time yourself for nine reps if somebody else did 12 reps you can't time yourself for 13 reps you have to beat yourself and that's how you work and just work when nobody's watching because that's when you become dangerous yeah your only competition is the person you were yesterday right right and I always tell people that you know don't focus on the schedule because your injury wasn't based off next year's schedule right. you know your injury happened at an inopportune time. So we get you back when you're ready to compete. Yes, sir. And to focus like day to day and never look in the future. Like just focus on that day. Cause a lot of people are like, man, what happened? What happens? Like, if I can't do this, what happens mm -hmm. in like 30 years? If I can't do that, don't focus on that. You don't even know if you're going to make it 30 years, focus on today, you know, focus. Like you can't focus on in a week. I'll be ready. No, it's never, it's never that you need to start today. You know, you got to focus on today only. Yeah, absolutely. So tell the audience how they can follow you. Well, first, tell us about Asmo Fit. Tell us what that is. Yes, sir. I made an Instagram account for my fitness. My parents always wanted me to do one because I'm always 
working out or nutrition this cooking stuff taking pictures of everything and they're like you should make your own account with your fitness stuff I was like yeah that sounds good you know I really wanted to help other people if they need help and you know they can follow my content and it's just a little Instagram to also keep me motivated because now that I have the Instagram I can post help me like hey I have to post so I have to work out you know and stuff like that absolutely Um, and we'll include all the information in the show notes so Go follow her Instagram page to keep up with her, you know, return to soccer and Esmo Fit as she continues to empower the world through nutrition and through fitness. So once again, thank you for coming on. It's very awesome that you shared your story with us and I can't wait to hear more from you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episode. Until later, peace.